Welcome once again to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Time to grab your board, catch a wave, and ride along with the latest in sales marketing technology, sales pipeline technology, with the expert himself, the guru, the big Kohana or Kahuna. What what am I trying to say here today? Matt Hines, save me. I don't know. You, you could have just invented a new word, Kawana. <laughs> it could be whatever we want it to be now, right? I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Catch us every week live at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, every Thursday. Uh, we cover the gamut of the sales pipeline, the entire pipeline from engagement to lead generation to uh, opportunity creation and close. And uh, we're super excited to have you here today. For those of you live, thanks very much for joining us. We are a week away from Thanksgiving as we record this. Cannot believe that. I was at Starbucks this morning. And they've had Christmas stuff up for a while, but I don't know when they did it. But this morning they were playing Christmas music, and you know what? I was okay with it. It's, we're close enough now. If we're a week away, if I need to start worrying about when to thaw the turkey, I think it's okay for me. That's my personal justification that I can start listening to uh, Christmas music. So wherever you are, whatever your holidays, I hope you are planning on enjoying some time the next few weeks with family and friends. Uh, but we are also, what that means is we are towards the end of the quarter. We are towards the end of the year. We're trying to hit that final number for the new year, for the 2016 and accelerate ourselves into 2017. And what better way to talk at the end of the quarter, end of the year, than the author of the book, The Perfect Close. So excited today to have with us uh, as our guest on Sales Pipeline Radio, James Muir. James, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. It's uh, exciting to be on the show. Oh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you have been out and about all year, uh, not only sort of running your your business as a as an author, a speaker, as a as an advisor to a number of companies, but I uh, want to talk a little bit about uh, the book, The Perfect Close, uh, the secret to closing sales, uh, best selling practices and techniques for closing the deal, and uh, maybe first just start by you know what you know you you've. Your career and expertise covers a wide variety of sales topics. This book talks about um, sort of the end of that process. Talk a little bit about you know why you chose this angle uh, as the as the topic for your new book. Well, I'm actually a accidental salesperson myself. I started out as an operations person in a family owned revenue cycle management business. And I would very often go out and help sales reps in sales calls. And then we acquired a business in another region. And we ended up needing an operations person who could also sell. So I ended up getting drafted for that. And so I suffered a little bit myself from not knowing what to do at the end to advance a a deal or advance a a meeting to the next stage. And then later, uh, as I became a trainer, I noticed this problem with um, especially domain experts or people that were sort of not always in sales. They weren't full-time salespeople. Uh, They actually confessed to me that they actually hated that part of, uh, of the job. And so um, I created this method as an output of uh, or an outcome of my own personal experience and trying to help these folks basically wrap up their, their business or help them advance their sales. Maybe um, I should couch that just a little bit. Um, statistically, what, what happens in most cases is no, no question is asked to advance the sale at all. In about, it depends on the industry, but it's between 50 and 90% of uh, sales meetings end without any person asking for any sort of commitment at all. Um, so it's a, it's a big problem. The problem of not asking at all is actually quite a bit bigger than ask, asking the wrong way. 
So it's interesting, you know, we've got sales reps and, and many experienced sales reps, many successful sales reps that, you know, it seems like when you ask them, what are the parts of the sales process you like the least? It's the beginning and the end, right? It's the, it's the cold calling. It's the outreach. It's the initiating that, that cold conversation, even if it's a referral, even if it's inbound lead. I mean, you haven't talked to them. So that initial conversation, you know, call reluctance comes from that. And then, you know, I'm, I'm always shocked to hear, the, num- the percentages of people that don't ask for the deal. I mean, what is it? What is it in the psychology of sellers, the psychology of people that keeps us from asking for the business, asking for the close at the end of a meeting or when the time is right? Well, there's actually quite a bit of science around that on the closing side of it. Um, and it, if I just boiled it down to you without going through a ton of data, it would be that if salespeople aren't comfortable with the method that they've been taught to close, that is, let's say they feel like it's manipulative, then what happens when it comes time to actually advance the sale or get any kind of a commitment, even if it's a partial commitment? Well, since they don't feel comfortable with the way that they've been taught, they don't do it at all. And, and so that's mm-hmm. the reason that, that nothing is happening. Is Essentially, they feel like it's manipulative. And uh, and so all to solve the problem, you just do the reverse. If we teach them a way that's in alignment with their personal values and it's not manipulative, then you, you essentially solve that problem. We're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with James Muir, who is the author of the best-selling book, The Perfect Close. Uh, I highly encourage you to check out his content. He's got tons of great content on his website, Pure Muir, uh, which I'm definitely going to have to spell. It's P-U-R-E-M-U-I-R.com. Uh, you can get a copy of his free report, The Seven Deadly Sins of Closing, just by uh, checking out the website. So you know, make sure you check that out as well. Yeah, I, I think the... You know, you outlined a number of reasons why people are afraid of asking for the close, and I like that you actually get into asking for the partial close, right? Like, you know, what is the next step? What's the next commitment you can get from a prospect? And, what you know, you've spent a lot more time on this than I have, but what the people I've talked to, and then when I think about this for myself, is, um, you know, the two things I think about are, one, the fear of asking too early and seeming pushy, and two is the fear of getting the no. Right. Um, and and I, you know, maybe you can kind of break that down. Maybe we can talk about each of those kind of separately. Talk about the fear of being pushy, the fear of sound feeling early uh, first, and then we'll get to the uh, the fear of getting the no. Well, the best approach is one that the, the client is ready for, that's pacing at the client uh, at the rate the client is waiting for. And the, the problem is we don't always know that. We don't always know exactly where the client's at. And so if we just phrase our ask, in the right way, then we can ask them if the timing is right without, without leaving us on emotionally lower ground. The, the typical close, literally like 99% of the close techniques that are out there, they're all manipulative and they're all asking the customer to do something. And the perfect close is different. It's essentially a timing question at its core. We're just asking if it's appropriate to do something right now. And if they answer no to that, they haven't said, no, I'm not going to do your thing. What they said is the timing's not right now. And then we would just fall back to one of our other possible advances that we're going to ask them for. But what that lets us do is move forward at a pace that the client is ready for. So what about the fear of getting no, right? I mean, and, that, and this is this happens throughout the sales process. And, I mean, we, we talk a lot to people, even in marketing, about sort of asking the hard questions early, which is a different way of saying qualify that someone is interested and the right prospect for you to move forward. So let's assume you've done all of that. So if you've done all of that well, if you've qualified the prospects, if you built, you know, some mutual value, why are people still afraid of going for the close? Again, it's because they feel like they might be either manipulating the client or they might be moving the process forward more quickly than the client's ready for. And and to be candid, if you are trying to move the process 
forward faster than they're ready for, it's going to feel manipulative to the customer. So maybe I can step back just a second and uh, frame this up a little bit by saying, uh, when you go into any meeting, it's really important that you have an idea of what you want the outcome to be. And you should have a couple of alternatives, too, because your ideal outcome may not come to fruition, but that doesn't mean it's the end, end of the road. It's not all or nothing. There might be a couple of secondary things that you can do. And so the way that the, the perfect close is framed is we're just going to suggest, does it make sense to do And one of the things that you, you know, the, you, what your ideal outcome is? And uh, there's only two answers to that question. You're going to say yes, or they're going to say no. If they say yes, well, great, we're off to the races. We're going to move forward with our ideal advance. If they say no, which was your question, then we're going to fall back to that second question of the two questions, which is, at its most basic version, um, well, what's a good next step then? And we can let them tell us what the next appropriate advance is. There are some variations to that. Because we prepared in advance a couple of other alternatives, we could actually suggest one. And that's very appropriate and and value-adding for customers because they may, with whatever you're offering, whatever you're selling, they may not do that um, very often in their life, in some cases once in a lifetime. So for you to say other clients at this stage typically do something like this and then suggest that, you're being of service to them. Mm-hmm. So those are the two questions, though, of the, cl- of the perfect close. Does it make sense to do X, you know, whatever your ideal advance is? And then if they say no, like you suggested, then we're going to either fall back to, well, what's a good next step, and we'll let them volunteer it, or we might suggest one. It's something that is, is so simple and yet so elusive for so many people. And I think what's interesting as I hear you talk, I mean, is we're talking about, you know, the perfect close and getting to the end of the deal. But its efficacy, it seems to me, the, the effectiveness of that approach relies on everything you've done to that point, right? You're talking about building rapport, building trust, building credibility with that prospect, um, you know, focusing on their outcomes, the needs that they have. If you do that well, not only have you earned the right to ask for the business, but the approach you're, you're, you're taking is far more likely to succeed. Is that, does that sound about right? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Let me though add a little bit to that, which is, you know, if you are in a kind of cell where, where there's only one meeting, then, then what you said is right on the money. But um, in a lot of other kinds of sales, there are a lot of small asks, a lot of little commitments that lead up to the big commitment. And the nice thing about this uh, approach is it, you can use it on every single stage at every part of the sales cycle where you're advancing them through all these minor commitments until you get to the final commitment, you know, where you're getting a contract. So um, in that way, we're pacing it. And, and maybe it makes sense to... Um, dissect the question just a little bit because asking the question does it make sense is not at all the same as will you buy or will mm-hmm. you do this thing and and so if you say hey will you do this and the customer says no well you're kind of back to square one and you're definitely at emotionally a lower state but if we say does it make sense for us to do this and the customer says no well they can see that we're just being consulted right we're saying okay is the timing right and so you're emotionally on a much higher ground when they, regardless of their reply to that question, when we say it doesn't make sense. So it, it's very, when people first do it, I've trained it a lot of times and they, they can get it wrong. And so the, uh, uh, doing it the right way helps us uh, pace it at the way that the customer is ready for. And it also removes a lot of the anxiety that the uh, salesperson might have in asking the question because we're really just saying it's the timing right. 
Absolutely. Talking today with James Muir, who is the author of the best-selling book, The Perfect Close. Definitely encourage you to check out his website at pure, P-U-R-E, Muir, M-U-I-R.com to learn about James, read more of his great content, download his free report, The Seven Deadly Sins of Closing. Um, James, I mean, you talked about like different types of, different types of sales. You know, you've got your, your one call close, you've got your complex sales and different approaches. Um, Big companies, little companies, are there situations where you would vary this approach um, any any other ways? Are there different industries or nature of business or nature of buying process where there's a variation of this? Or is this is this work pretty standard uh, across environments? It really works pretty good across the board. The only place where I'd say it's not as useful is in opportunities where the meeting and the close all take place at the same time. Where there's mm-hmm. it, it can still work. Because even within that one meeting, there are some small mental advances that have to take place before you get your deal. Um, but that's very, you would be dissecting your meeting down into very small chunks if you chose to go that way. It's really best fit uh, for the opportunities that take, you know, two or three or sometimes ten or more type of visits or advances with the customer. Uh, this way, um, we're able to move forward at a rate that's with the customer, but we're maintaining momentum throughout the whole process. Got it. Great. Well, we're going to be right back after a quick commercial break with more with James Beer. We'll talk more about closing strategies and what leads up to that. We're going to talk about what we've got coming up here in December uh, and uh, share with you a few other uh, tips and tricks on managing the sales process as we get here to the end of the month and the end of the quarter and the end of the year. Uh, back in a couple secs, this is Matt Hines. We're listening to Sales Pipeline Radio. In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity or a blueprint for a guide to what's really working and how to apply it specifically to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and conversion. That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. Download it free at HeinzMarketing.com. Whether you're producing a seminar series, user's conference, lunch and learn, or exhibiting at a trade show, Validar has a solution. From capturing leads at trade shows to managing on-site registration, tracking session attendance, gathering information, and providing sponsors lead retrieval, we have a full suite of solutions for you. Since 2005, Validar has been turning corporate events and trade shows into better business. Call 888-784-2929 or visit us at Validar.com. And now back to Matt and his guest. Awesome. Thanks very much, Paul. Well, uh, I want to thank everyone again for joining us for Sales Pipeline Radio. If you're listening live, happy week before Thanksgiving. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks so much for joining us. If you want to follow the podcast, you can find us on the iTunes Store and Google Play. Every episode of the Sales Pipeline Radio is available on demand through our podcast as well as on salespipelineradio.com. And we also feature a transcript, an edited transcript of every conversation on HeinzMarketing.com. Next week, Thanksgiving, we're going to take a break. We're going to be all about family and turkey and football and lather, rinse, repeat. It's going to be a good day. So we're going to take a day off of Sales Pipeline Radio. We will be back on December 1st. Very excited to have our guest on December 1st, Paul Smith, uh, who is the author of uh, numerous books about storytelling and its impact on sales and marketing. He has written the book Sell with a Story, lead with the story and uh the one i probably want to spend the most time talking about parenting with the story so can't wait to talk to paul smith december 1st december 8th we're going to feature jessica fulis who runs uh field marketing for demand base 
And if you're doing anything in the realm of account-based marketing, if you're even if you've heard of it, if you're aware of it, if you're confused by it, you don't want to miss our conversation with Jessica Fulis at Demand Base. We're going to be talking about how account-based marketing has evolved, why it matters going into 2017, and how to bring it into your organization today. However, we're going to spend a little more time with James Muir, who we're super excited to spend a few minutes with us uh, talking about his new book, The Perfect Close. You can learn more about that on his website, Pure Muir. Find out on Amazon, of course. And, uh, you know, James, it, it's interesting as we think about, you know, selling. We're sort of here towards the end of the year, and, you know, it's kind of a nice time to reflect on what's happened in the year, both from our performance standpoint as well as what impact of what we've seen moving into next year. And yeah, if you were to write this book again, you know, now as we headed to 2017, is there anything that would be different? I mean, now that we're seeing greater complexity in the buying environment, you know, we're seeing fewer decision makers that are, you can unilaterally say yes. You know, CEB now says there's 6.8 members on average of the internal buying committee. Uh, people are spending a little more time buying. Uh, people are crazier busy than ever. Does that impact the, the efficacy of strategies like this, does that does it change the way you would approach it? Well, you would be using the same – the book is essentially about a technique. And so you'd be using that technique against multiple different decision makers within a complex sale, uh, like you described. So the 6.8 that we're going to have to encounter, um, you would be advancing the sale for each one of those independently. And, of course, uh, that's one of the things that makes a complex sale complex is so many different buying influences as you go through. So – um, I, I probably wouldn't change the book much. In fact, we had to cut a ton out of the book in order to uh, and get, keep it down to 300 pages. So there's a lot in the book about how to run a meeting and how to make sure that you're adding value to every single meeting and then how to make sure that you're advancing it and keeping momentum going every time you have a meeting within the book. So I don't think I would uh, – I don't, I don't think it would change too much. It's very much uh, evergreen-type content in there. The biggest probably aha for many people is, that there is a way to advance the sale that's in alignment with their personal values and that selling is service. And that's a big mindset shift for a lot of salespeople. Most of the people that experience some kind of reluctance, and by the way, this would apply both to people initiating outbound calls, right, during the beginning of the, of the sales cycle, as much as it applies to the people at the end uh, of the cycle where we're trying to close, is that uh, if if they truly understand that we're actually trying to help the customer, we're trying to serve them, well, then most of the anxiety around contacting people completely disappears. I mean, a good way to think about it is that when anybody's trying to accomplish something new, we all would love to have a coach that would help us move forward towards our goal at our own pace, right? We would all love to have that. Well, the customer is trying to get somewhere. In fact, if they weren't, they wouldn't need you, right? They wouldn't be having a conversation with you. So they're looking to us to be their coach, to help them get to the next level. So that makes selling more than just about persuasion or something like that. It really makes it about coaching or about leadership. Um, and, uh, and so in that sense, it's a much more noble thing. And so once we've made that mind shift that we're helping, it, it makes it a whole lot easier to advance the sale as well as initiate a call. So this show ends up getting, you know, almost more marketers listening than salespeople. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm super humbled by that because we call this sales pipeline radio, but I think it's particularly important for more marketers in B2B to understand sales, to understand what salespeople go through, to understand how sales works. Um, even though this book is focused on the close, I feel like it has, I mean, as I read through this, 
I, I felt like there were a lot of great strategies in here for marketers, even even marketers that are focused primarily on the top of the pipeline, generating interest and demand. Uh, talk a little bit about what lessons there are explicitly in this book for marketers to take away, to do their job, to provide demand and provide the support sales needs to be successful. Okay. Well, actually, I, there are, there is a paradigm in the um, in the book that is used for planning for a meeting. And marketers generally are the ones tasked with creating the, the material that salespeople go to fight with, right? They, they go to battle with that content or with that collateral. And, and so the three questions that should be being asked that, again, marketers could ask themselves as they develop this content is, why should this client see me, right? That gets, that's the first question. In fact, let me just tell you what the three are. Why should this client see me? What, what do I want the client to do? And how can I add value on this encounter? And those three things should be answered on every single meeting. And so that first one, why should this client see me, gets right to the core of the value proposition. If we don't have a very a solid value proposition of why it's a, a benefit for the client to meet with me, well, then you shouldn't meet with them, right? And uh, the second question is what do I want the client to do is what I was describing before. We should go into every encounter with an ideal outcome as well as maybe some potential other you know, outcomes that maybe are not as aggressive as our ideal outcome, but still things that continue to move the process forward. And that applies to any stage of the sales cycle. And then uh, lastly is what value can I uh, provide on this encounter? And I think marketing is doing a pretty good job of get, grasping this one, which is we need to be able to provide something about the meeting with the client that is inherently valuable every time we meet with them, every time. They should be getting like th- th- what we're doing is we're training them that we are a value-added resource every time they encounter with us. And what that does is that keeps them engaged with us and looking forward to every meeting with us. And then the classic uh, client going silent and not uh, engaging with us at the end after we've given them a proposal, that won't happen when they see us as adding value at every given stage. And so marketers can really help salespeople um, with all three of these things. They can help educate them on the kinds of insights that can make sure that there is value given on every single stage, every single meeting. Um, in terms of what we want the client to do, that's mostly a planning function. But there is an exercise in the book where you can plan what are some you know, typical advances that we might do. And so uh, maybe marketing could help at each given stage suggesting some logical advances that might be appropriate for a given type of buyer. And then uh, back to number one, why should the client see me? This is, means communicating to the salespeople in a very strong way. What's the value proposition for this particular client? And uh, once client, in fact, you want all my uh, advice, uh, Matt, is during the onboarding process, new salespeople should be taken to a client or at the very least have a meeting with a client, either via WebEx or a phone call, so a client can actually describe to, the, to them how it is that they use the product and why it's so valuable. When they experience that firsthand, they believe. And so all the processes that happen later, all the outbound calling, all the advancing, because they understand that it really does create value, they don't hesitate. In fact, for my company, we have an onboarding program where we do an internship, and we put them out at a client site for two weeks so that they can experience firsthand what the value is that the client gets. And then when they're out in the field talking to a prospective buyer, they can say, well, when I did my internship, we did this. This was the value that we got. Maybe that was a long-winded answer, but those are three <laughs> things I think marketers can do to uh, to help sales. 
No, that's really helpful. We're wrapping up here with James Muir, who is the author of the best-selling book, uh, The Perfect Close. Would highly recommend getting a copy of this at Amazon. Check out his website, puremuir.com. We'll have a link to that in our call notes and in the uh, notes of the uh, podcast, and you can get a free report, The Seven Deadly Sins of Closing. As we wrap up here, James, really appreciate your time. You know, what do you do to stay stay on top of your game? I mean, obviously, I think you're out and about talking to customers, a lot of your insights I expect will come from the field, but you know, if for for the salesmen and marketing professionals that are listening today, what are some of the other sources of information? What are the other publications that you're looking at that continue to feed your uh, learning as well? Well, I think that continuous education is absolutely a requirement today, and so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, I've listened to every one of your podcasts to the date. It's excellent material. You're getting a, a good cross cut across the entire pipeline with your podcast, um, and there's a lot of others out there, and they they cost nothing. All they, all they require is identifying which ones are the good ones and then getting onto that. And salespeople in particular, I think, are very good at, uh, or enjoy listening to information. And so that's a great source. I also have a couple productivity hacks. I have software that reads things to me and it can read PDFs. It can read almost any kind of document, a website or anything. And, uh, that's very valuable if I'm trying to understand material that would never be available in an audio form. Having that software be able to read it to me allows me to uh, absorb that information while I'm going down the road or while I'm on an airplane or any of those um, sort of less accessible to reading material. So we, we could do a whole we could do a whole session on uh, on productivity, but those are two. Sure, good. What what's the name of that tool, real quick, before we, before we wrap up? Well, for Android, which is what I use, it's called Easy PDF Reader, okay. and it can read any PDF of any kind. Um, if you're a Kindle person, you can also you can also have your Kindle book re- read to you instead of reading it. So that makes, if you're a person that goes through a paperback book in a slower way, then you can use your Kindle and have it just read them to you. What I would recommend in both cases is that you invest in a better voice than the voice that comes with your phone typically. And, and by the way, there's, phone, there's apps that do the same thing for your iPhone. My wife uses it for her. Well, there's an app for everything now. It's a... It's a brave new world. It's exciting. And, uh, well, thanks very much. That, that, was, that was really great. Easy PDF reader for Android, and of course, with Kindle, um, sometimes a lot faster. And uh, I appreciate the pull-up for Sales Pipeline Radio. That was not rehearsed or planned, but the check's in the mail regardless. So thank you for that. Um, really appreciate our time today with James Muir, uh, who is the author of the best-selling book, The Perfect Close. Check that out. Uh, we'll have the links of that available in our notes uh, for the broadcast. Thanks very much for joining us for Sales Pipeline Radio. Make sure you catch all of our past episodes at Sales Pipeline radio.com catch us through the podcast at itunes store and google play taking a break next week for thanksgiving hope you enjoy the week uh, long weekend with your friends and family we'll be back december 1st and throughout december as we wrap up the year a wrap up a great first year of sales pipeline radio so thanks very much for joining us this is matt hines thanks again the sales pipeline radio once again you've been surfing along this matt pipe matt hines from uh Heinz Marketing rides the sales pipeline right here in Funnel Radio Channel.